When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. Podcasts. These are the days that you'd never believe will come again. To win for a line, for the Lions in a test match, is the ultimate. Hello and welcome to Full Contact with the Telegraph and our mini-series Brian's Lions. In the build-up to the 2021 British and Irish Lions, I've been speaking to the great and the good of Lions tours gone by to get their own unique perspective on what it means to pull on that famous red shirt. For the fourth and final instalment as we build up to the first test between the Lions and South Africa, I'll be speaking to a man who toured with the Lions three times, including twice in South Africa, but had to wait until the age of 35 to make his test debut in red. Delighted to welcome the former England and three times Lions tourist, Simon Shaw. Hello, Simon. How are you doing? You're right. Can I just say before, before we start about this, Simon, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated players of his generation. I know he got three Lions tours, but he should have had many more caps and he should have started many more games. Before we get on to your own Lions experience, Simon, um, tell you what, can you, can you remember what it was like when you were a young boy and you were a fan? Uh, what you felt about the Lions, what you thought about them? Uh, well, I was thinking about this earlier, and, and quite bizarrely, uh, uh, I, I was never a fan. And I say that only because I was never exposed to what the British Lions were all about, what they what they stood for. Um, I'd never seen a, a Lions game um, because basically I, I hadn't really been introduced to rugby until I was 15, 16. So, and then obviously very shortly after that started took up the game and started playing for you know Bristol when I was 17 and whatnot and it, for whatever reason uh, I got sort of caught up in in playing and, and never had that kind of experience of being a fan of the game um when you first started what was your first your first touch with it when did you sort of think oh this is oh this is what they mean I guess um there was a I remember one particular sort of build up to a, a Lions series, but didn't really understand what the build-up was all about. We, we used to have a neighbour who was Welsh, and in Five Nations games, they'd watch the first half of the games in separate houses. <laughs> Our front doors met in a little alleyway, and they'd come out at half-time and just 
swear blue murder at one another <laughs> 10 minutes at half time and then go back into the houses and i was like you know what the hell is going on what is this thing that they're they're getting so passionate about so i knew there was obviously an, an immense amount of passion that, that um existed between the, the home nations and then this kind of period of you know a year where that all plateaued and it became a, a unified support of one team but i didn't really know what it was about um, it sounds odd, doesn't it? But... It does sound You made your debut in 96, didn't you? It was a year before the 97 tour. Yeah. Uh, the one that was, you know, captured on video and actually exposed them to the wider world. Were you thinking, oh, can I be a lion? Or were you just thinking, let's just keep keep my England place? It was more, there, there were there were rumours about that, that I would make it on the tour. We had a successful Five Nations as England, particularly... The front five were, were sort of deemed as as being the, the strongest of the, the home nations. Um, so there was tips. I, I got tipped off that I'd, I'd probably make the tour. Um, again, I had no real understanding of what I was going into. It, you know, for me, it felt like another step up from England, but another tour. I didn't really understand the magnitude of the of the, the task or you know the what it meant to be a lion or what it meant to wear the shirt. I, I, I had no understanding of that. And it, it's, it's a shame, but obviously I, you know, I think subsequently that's probably what drove me to, to want to play more for the lions, you know, ultimately. And, and, and <laughs> what drove me to be there 12, 12 years later, I wouldn't say that I was, that I didn't appreciate where I was at, but I just didn't have any kind of real understanding of the mm-hmm. history. And, you know, I think when you, you know, a lot of people have said to me who played for the All Blacks, that very much, you know, you're told what it's all about. And you, there's, a, there's a history that's that's handed over to you. Where, whereas I don't, ceremonially, there wasn't that in the Lions. I guess it was expected that you already knew something about the Lions and you knew the history and therefore you knew the task ahead. So I hadn't been to South Africa since I was there as a player. The biggest thing they said is have control of everything. Your training gear, your hotels, your travel, it's all your side. You keep control of everything. And that's what we did. We we took all our own kit out. We took two lots of kit out, two scrummaging machines with two articulated lorries traveling between training so that there was always the right kit at the next venue. We just heard from Sir Ian McGeekin there who was embarking on his third Lions tour as a coach, but his first in the professional era. What can you remember uh, the message, you know, being from him to the squad? I guess the magnitude of the task ahead, which was to bring, obviously, to beat the Springboks on their home soil, which is one of the most t- difficult tasks in the rugby world. Um, the, the physicality of what like lay ahead, you know, I guess uh, you know, there's, there's endless videos and, and clips of, Geach and Telford, you know, talking about how how important the challenge was, and it's you know, it's the Everest. Everyone's heard the Everest speech. You know, we were left within without any doubt of uh, of the magnitude of the task and how difficult difficult it was going to be. But um, very much, he filled everyone with with the utmost confidence that we that we could go out there and do it, and and that he picked this particular squad for a specific job. All of the forwards, for example, were not picked just because you know they're powerhouses but they were multi-skilled they're able to handle the ball and that's what was 
needed to have that edge over the South Africans. Yes, you needed the, the power and the strength, but you also needed to have, um, you know, the ball skills. So you get you get on the tour, and I presume, or you can tell me, it's a bit different, isn't it? <laughs> it's a slightly different people you've used to be battling against. Some of you don't, well, you don't know them, but you don't particularly like them from the bits you do know. Um, and then... They're your teammates, roommates, and so on. How was that experience? So, so mine, again, would be slightly different to yours, Moro, uh, uh, or to many Englishmen. You know, being brought up abroad and, and being kind of expat, you're, you're used to, you know, mixing with a lot of nations and, and particularly, you know, growing up in Spain and, and Kenya, you know, we'd have a lot of Irish, Scottish, Welsh friends and... <laughs> And it never it never dawned on me that we should uh, dislike this folk. So I actually I I embraced it. I loved it. I I actually felt I was more at home in a Lions environment than in an England environment uh, because you know I yeah I went to a, a couple of private schools, but when I first joined the England setup, I felt I was a bit out you know. Uh, out of my place, I didn't feel like, it, especially it's you know school boy rugby playing for England, a lot of private school kids there. I, I you know I was, spent most of my schooling in, in comprehensive schools and didn't kind of get the, the sort of class system and, and wasn't didn't feel terribly comfortable. And then when I came into the Lions environment, suddenly there's this breadth of, of cultures and I, I, I loved it, absolutely loved it. What was your relationship like with Martin Johnson? He was made captain despite not being England captain. And I, mean, I think a lot of people assumed you'd be the test pairing. I mean, Jono is a, he's his own man, shall we say, in, in the nicest possible way. Um, how did you get on with him? I got on with him fine. Look, he, he, when I first got into the England squad, he was, you know, kind of mentor to me, always sort of made sure, I mean, he did it with, with all the young players within the squad. He'd always go around and sort of pat everyone on the back and make sure they were okay and, you know, in pre- preparation for a game. I'm like as laid back as they come. So I'd, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all good here. Um, so we didn't, there wasn't like, there was a huge amount of conversation going on. Neither of us uh, are, you know, they, those kind of guys that like to speak a lot. So, but I, you know, had the much, utmost respect for him. That tour, the '97 tour, you know, we've seen borne out. You know, produced a lot of surprises in the Test match squad, um, notably in the front five. I've heard people talk about um, this particular tour and what what can you know put players to the fore and and perhaps knock players back. And 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 one thing that certainly that that certainly does that is a defeat on on a tour. And unfortunately, the the English front five were were part of a. Uh, a, a loss, quite a humiliating loss in 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 the sense that we we got pushed back in the scrum and we were sort of deemed to be the the powerhouse of the of the home nation. So that that led to you know a bit of that, but also you know Jeremy Davidson was was playing outstandingly on that tour and had again, like I said to you before, about another dimension. He lifting just came had just been introduced, proper lifting. Uh, every single line-out session, I got a barrage of abuse from Leonard and and Round <laughs> like, for just being simply too, too heavy. heavy. <laughs> I was about 22, 23 stone, and they and they moaned and groaned their way way through every training session, which I don't think helped helped my goal. <laughs> um, and it, but I just I I simply wasn't a player. I wasn't going to you know get up and 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 contest every line-out like Jeremy was. He's he was a good you know, three three stone lighter than me. 
Um, and it, it proved, you know, ultimately it proved uh, an, an ace card for the Lions uh, time at the team at the time because he was able to snatch, a, you know, disrupt the, the very solid um, platform that South Africa normally have in that area. But that said, you know, I don't, outside of that, I, th- I think I played as well as I ever could have done at that time. Keith Wood at one one point came up to me after I think we played Natal, beat Natal pretty well and came up to me and sort of pat me on the back and said, you know, you must be pretty confident now after that performance. So, you know, I, I was, I was, there was never, there was never an expectation, but I did think, you know, I, I, I played as well as I could have done. Famously went on to win the series and, Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance in a test team. Having the, the two experiences, winning and not being part of it, was it a bit of a bittersweet experience? So how do you feel? I'll be honest, it would have been nice to have played a part in it. There, there are stages to, to this, you know, as well as I do. You get the letter that first tells you you're on the, you know, on the, te- the, the squad, you're on the plane, and it's mind-blowingly exciting. The first time you get to wear the shirt, again, extraordinary uh, and and each time you go up a level you want more so it's inevitable that you want to be a part of a match day test match 20 22 23 whatever it was in those days but it wasn't you know those days weren't like you had the full array of players on the bench anyway so there wasn't really a chance for a, you know a second row to be on there anyway so I didn't expect that, but it would have been nice to play a, a part in the in the final game. I understand why why Geach and Telford decided to wait, to go the way they did, but I just felt that there was an opportunity to perhaps play more of the squad because the Test match, the series had already been won. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, no one should just be given the right to play for the Lions Tour just because they're there. So I get it, and and it, you know, ultimately would it would I've been as as hungry. To, to play on future tours if I had been given that opportunity I don't know What he tried to do was put a test team together early on in the tour and just give that team chance to work together you know I agreed to go on because I know to go on the tour because he asked if I'd uh, the midweek team and I said yes because if the midweek team's right then the test team is right Yeah. We changed one or two things because I asked Clive, I said, look, I want to take the midweek team down a day early and stay in the areas and go out for a drink at night. And But Clive kept the others. They flew in, watched and flew out again. So they only had these certain hotels. Fast forward to the New Zealand tour of 2005. You joined the tour late uh, following an injury to Malcolm O'Kelly. Did you expect to go initially? No, I was in and out of the... The, the England squad <laughs> I wasn't Clive's favourite or you know cup of tea particularly so I, I, there was no expectation on my my behalf it was a sort of a bittersweet moment when I got the call to go out because I was uh, you know and this sort of pains me to say it sometimes but it, it you know I was genuinely considering not going on the tour and that's that you know, why alarm a lot of people I just I just thought ever I felt like, and it's you know this isn't a retrospective look back on the tour and go, oh, you know, I told you so, but I just didn't feel uh, I didn't have positive vibes about 
what the tour was going to look like, how it was going to feel. Having having been there in '97, having seen what happened four four years later, just I felt like it was a wrong approach in, in many ways to have a squad that big, to have you know two separate coaching groups, to have essentially two separate teams, you know, not not mixing and not not spending the amount of time you need together because ultimately Alliance Tour you you have a a very small amount of time to to get everyone thinking and you know sing off the same hymn sheet. If you don't have it nailed down very very quickly, it can all unravel. And and simply by having, you know, I, I, I entirely get why the approach was taken because it was a you know new professional system way about doing things. But I just think ultimately the fixtures and the timelines were pretty pretty much the same. So not having people, you know, share rooms, be in, in, in each other's company as often as they should be, all that sort of stuff. I just I just didn't feel like it was going to work very well. And, and, and he I, didn't, and indeed it didn't work. And when Clive said that he was going to make sure that everyone got a game before the first test, I, I said, I remember writing about this and saying, if that happens, there will be no chance to get anywhere near your first selection, you know, out before the first test and indeed that happened and uh, then there were eight changes I think or something like that which means eight mistakes and I don't think he knew what his test team was even on the third test because he he'd, you know, got into a mix you just can't do that it's too many people for all the reasons you said you know not just um, the, the, the social aspect which is very important as a knock on for the team aspect but it, you put yourself in a situation where selection wise once you've said this I don't mind if you want to take loads of people fine but they can't all play no. Sorry, they can't all play. I mean, they've been professional 10 years then. What was the, was there any big differences between 97 in terms of it being professional that stood out for you? Apart from it being a disaster. But, um. <laughs> well, in the sense that, you know, and this is my sense, not, not just with this, with that particular Lions tour, but I, th- I do think there's a sense that you can be too professional. You know, you can, you can, I get the whole, um, you know, incremental gains and all that. I, I completely understand that. But there there comes a point where uh, relationships are, are far more important. Um, you've got to look at people in the, you know, in the eye, in the change room and, and understand that they've got your back, you've got their back. And and if you, you know, I mean, I, I, bear, I literally barely speak to anyone on that 2005 tour, not because they're not nice people, but just because I didn't really get to know them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Contrast that with '97 and with 2009, and you know most of those guys are in my phone book, and I, I communicate with them regularly. And it, it just it just seems to me that it went a bit too far. I mean, I I my first game on that tour was against the New Zealand Maori, which was deemed as a sort of fourth test. I played that game literally the day after I arrived in New Zealand. Oh, great! From a 24-hour flight not knowing the line-out calls, and the line-out calls then got changed the night before that game because there was a belief that someone had, you know, un- uncoded or decoded our line-out system. Now, you, so you can do all the professional things in the world. If you, if one of your second rows has jumped off, you know, has got off a floor, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's pretty key to your lineup performance and he hasn't got a clue what's going on plus he's you know he's got jet lag and, and shattered from a 25 you know there's 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 lots of reasons why I just felt 
it, it could be uh, it could be a disaster. But well, I remember I remember Clive saying. I uh, urge all the Lions fans to come down here because I, I have a feeling something special is going to happen. And he was right. It was the first time I can remember where the Lions weren't in touch in any test at all. You know, it was one to forget, obviously, but you're 31 at that point, still not got a test cap. What was your feeling about that? Gone, chances gone, or because you're fairly I'm, laid back? Yeah, I'm very laid back, but I'm a, kind of if weirdly, eternally optimistic. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I just think. You know, uh, you know, if, if I keep plugging away, if you know something good's going to come eventually, karma's going to going to come around the corner and and um, and give me an opportunity. And I, you know, I think that belief, um, you know, of of always being there at the end, always having a chance, was was drilled into us. At, you know, for since two thousand um in 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 the well uh, in the wasps squad um under the guidance of, of Warren and um Craig White and Paul Stridgen and um Sean Edwards, you know, and I and I just felt, you know, they kept on kept the belief, I guess, within me as because I've never been a huge confidence guy. I as I say I'm I'm pretty laid back but always always kind of felt like a, there's a bit of imposter syndrome. So I was um, you know, always, always needed sort of coaches to to g me up and, and and tell me I was good enough, rather than sort of tell me what I was wasn't capable of doing or or where I was weak. So um, they they really sort of kept me going on that on, on that stance. And, and you know, ultimately, when you continue to win at club level, you you still think there's um, there's opportunities and chances, even if you're not playing international rugby. The two thousand and nine British. And Irish Lions are the forwards, Alan Wynne Jones, Wales, Paul O'Connell, Ireland, Donica O'Callaghan, Ireland, Simon Shaw, England. Twelve years after being named for your first uh, squad, you picked again, a bit older, well, 35, quite older, um, again, South Africa. Um, how do you feel this time, that time? Uh, I felt like I, I was going on as a as a sort of um, social secretary, <laughs> entertainment I, officer. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. quite believe it, but I thought, well, there's a role here for me. Um, I need to think carefully about what it is. But I did feel that a part of me was certainly not a hanger on, but I just felt perhaps that knowing how Lions tours can go wrong and knowing how people can uh, go off tour. Um, and knowing that you know Geach and Gats were and Sean were involved, and Rob Howley was involved, that they I guess knew that I would never give up. So in terms of because your you form know, had been very very good between the tours. Yeah, it, yeah, it'd been, it'd been good, uh, but I but I was I was always I was still thinking God, you know, there must be sort of younger, fitter, you know, guys out there, but. That said, I think they they looked at me and said, "Well, he's one. He's his physical game is good enough to to um, compete with the Saffirs, but also he's he's never going to give up for that opportunity to play in the Test matches." And I think that you know they probably already had in mind who their Test match second row partnership was going to be, and that you know if there was an injury or so, then then I might be in the mix. But I didn't. I don't think that they anticipated me being part of that first um, Test match anyway. So my job was simply to, 
to try and do the best that I possibly could in each every opportunity I had on that tour. And, and you know, quite wor- worryingly, the first game we played was slap bang in the worst possible time you could play at altitude, which is, was, I think, on the fifth day. I think if you play on the first day after you've landed at altitude, it's good. If you play about eight days after that, it's good. If you play about, you know, <laughs> three to five days, it's the worst possible time you can play. And that's when we played. Well, don't uh, think it, don't think that was coincidental. <laughs> I'm sure well, it was. And I've, I've never felt as bad on a rugby pitch in my entire life. I mean, I, I literally lifted my head from every scrum and, and I didn't have a clue where I was. Couldn't, couldn't focus just completely in a, in a daze. And, and Gats very kindly pointed out that it was probably the worst game that you'd ever seen me play. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's, that's my test match hopes uh, shot to bits. You, you didn't get into the, the the first test squad. Was it something you thought, well, I don't really expect it given the form of, you know, I have done myself justice? Or did you hope that at some point, you know, you've been in and around seven test matches, never made um, the, the test squad. Do you think at that point all over? First test, I was, I've was i admitted to say that I was pretty gutted that I wasn't on the bench because mm-hmm. um, each and every time I was asked to come off the bench and, and play a part in some of the, the build-up games, um, I wouldn't say I single, single-handedly turned those results around, but, but it did have a significant impact whenever I came on. So I did think that I, I deserved a spot on the, on the bench and added to which, you know, I think if things start, if the scrum, for instance, start to have a, started to have a wobbly in the, in the opening encounters, that may, buy, may be my opportunity to come on and kind of shore things up, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, ultimately what happened, you know, probably a, a test match too late. But, you know, I, 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 the moment that the, the, the scrum started to creak and there was, Perhaps a um, lack, lack of physicality. I, I did think, feel like there was a chance in the second test. I, I struggled sleeping last night, so God knows what it'll be like the night before the game and, and the day of the games. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm usually pretty chilled and laid back, um, so the butterflies sort of fluttering around in my uh, stomach at the moment is a very weird sensation because I don't usually have that um, so hopefully uh, that's a positive thing and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll just run out there um, and give it my all Well you did get in the uh, second test team it was a must must win one can you describe your feelings when you were told when were you told by the way it was a little bit of a blur I, I... it wasn't on the day it can't be on the day can it no, it wasn't on a day. I, I think it was the evening before. I think Sean might have let the bag out, let the cat out of the bag by sort of giving me a nudge and a wink, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, sort of you, you know, when you when you when you played that long and in, in been around that many international squads, you get a sense anyway, don't you? I mean, yeah. you, you, you certainly know when you dropped, and and, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes it's pretty uh, pretty obvious when you when you're going to get picked. So. I knew and, and, you know, the sort of smile was already coming across my face pretty loud and, and proud. So, um, yeah, it was, but it's still an incredible um, feeling when your your name is announced as a, as a, as a test player for the Lions. So, well, we're going to the match itself. It's gone down to one of the most memorable test matches, you know, uh, that there's been uh, Lions test matches. 
Um, what do you remember about the lead up to it and the atmosphere in the stadium and so on? Um, I, I mean, I personally, uh, despite having said that I'm a very laid back player, it's probably one of the few times leading into a game where I, where I literally got no sleep. And, and, and I was the more I panicked about not having sleep, the less I could sleep. So uh, just because it was less about me feeling like I was worthy or uh, deserved the opportunity, more because, you know, there were a couple of changes in the scrum and the expectations were, therefore, that that would change everything. And you know as well as I do, in scrummaging, it's not always the case. Um, and, you know, I just, I just feared so much that I would let the side down, that I wouldn't be able to deliver on this kind of promise that, and obviously the press build it up and, and the coaches are building it up and they're all saying, well, you know, we're going to bring Shawzi into the squad because, you know, he gives us that physicality and blah, 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 blah. And you're sort of like, Christ, you know, can we all play it down a bit? <laughs> yes. uh, I might, you know, I, I might not deliver. But um, yeah, so it was more, it was more spending sort of 24 hours, 48 hours, just in a little bit of a panic, to be honest. Well, one of the things... And the big differences is that the referee the front row properly, and uh, Umtarawi, the beast, wasn't allowed to slip his binding, go outside and ram a right shoulder up. I mean, it was obvious to me in the first test, and uh, you know, I don't think uh, I think it was Vix, wasn't it? I don't think that he could have done much about that because once you step out, it's anatomically impossible. You you can't keep a you know can't keep a uh, with just a shoulder. You can't keep someone's force down once he steps outside. Well, all you feel in the second row is that you know you're going backwards. I mean, you, you had a great. You mean you did have a great. Uh, you had a great uh, test match, um, and um, that early exchange with Backies. What was that about? Uh, no, well, I, I think I, I can't recall whether it was straight off the kickoff or the first line-out drive they did, but they 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 trundles up the pitch, you know, twenty meters or something, and he just, you know, we sort of. With chest to chest at some point, and he said, "You know, I thought, you know, I thought you were the, you know, hey, big guy. I thought you were the guy that was going to kind of come in and stop this." <laughs> um, and I've always, always been that, that one of those players that, that kind of needed to be punched before they got, you know, excited about anything or, or riled up. And and it was just that comment. I thought, you know, he's he's absolutely he's bang on. You know, <laughs> I've, I've not done my job first and foremost. So. It, it, yeah, so it just it, it added a bit of fuel to the fire, and and yeah, you know, it just set me off a bit. So, well, um, good for that. I mean, everyone remembers the. I was actually in Ireland watching the game. I was at Carphone Warehouse. Uh, do um, I remember the the uh, the error from Rowan Agar? I remember saying in the debrief afterwards, of all the things he could have done, there were loads of things he could have done, all of which would have been okay. There was one thing that he shouldn't have done, and that's what he did. Now, obviously, he didn't do it on purpose. And I think, uh, you know, people forget it was a bloody long kick, was that? It was never the given. Everyone thinks of oh, definitely going to through. I mean, Gitch told us that he knew uh, Stain would slot it on his home ground. What, um, what was your thoughts when the penalty went through? Absolutely devastated, obviously. But, um, you know, I, look, I, I, I feel for Roan... I've been in I've been in situations where you know you, you come off the bench and your your first focus is I've got to do I've got to contribute in some way shape or form I've got to do something um, lift uh, the team 
via you know whether it's a tackle whether it's a kick or whatever it is and and I think because he was you know part of the missed tackle in the corner you know that doubled up and you know Sean Edwards is forever pushed home this you know don't double up on your errors you will you know when you make an error you will inevitably want to make up for that error straight away and then you know your, your body's brimming with with um adrenaline and you know almost to, to overload point so you kind of have to pull yourself back yeah. and and he didn't do that but we've all been there and it's you know unfortunately not at that perhaps at that level although you know I played in a top 14 final and and literally gave the same penalty away twice off a kickoff and and I and I you know stood there afterwards and thought well, why why have you done that you've done exactly the same thing as you did two minutes ago and given another penalty when Toulouse have kicked it. it. Like sometimes you just lose control of, of your mind. And, and I, I think, you know, that's when sometimes people need to step in and say, look, just, just rein it in a bit. I'd have rather been taken off uh, at half time for playing poorly than to have won man of the match and, and lost, to be honest. Um, I'd rather have won this game and, and played badly, to be honest. Um, but you know, that's the way it goes. You modestly said that sort of being man of the match today doesn't mean that much to you, but I've seen you play some games for Wasps and Heineken Cups and for England. I've never seen you play as well as you play today. How much did wearing the shirt in a test match finally mean to you today? Um, it's difficult to say, really. Um, it's, uh, I just I would have liked to have won today wearing the shirt. I hadn't quite ex- um, until I hadn't quite fully um, appreciated the Wasp connection, you know, Howley, Edwards, uh, and so on, Geach. Um, I mean, you and Geach are rare in the, you know, uh, in in this sense of I mean, toured in '97 and '09 and Wasps, uh, so you must know him uh, well. And he, I remember he told us that um, he'd never seen you so so upset. Um, in his time, you know, uh, in rugby, uh, after that uh, test match. Um, is that right? Is that right? Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, yeah, yeah okay. look, it, it's one of those moments that you get caught on camera, you get reminded of it, for, you know, for, for years and years on end. Everyone's trying to give me a hug, um, as Graham Simmons was trying to do on the day. Um, but, no, you know... When you lose um, in that manner in a test match that you know could have swung it our way or, or could have at least extended the the, the the test match series onto the onto the final game, it's pretty gutting. Um, and you know everything I said at the time, you know I, I meant and mean now. You know I, I would have given up a, a lesser performance um, if if it meant the team won. Um, but you know. And it goes back to that point uh, I made earlier about each and every time you step up the ladder, you want to contribute more and you want to be, you don't want to be just a, you know, once you've got a Lions test shirt on your back, you want to be a winning Lions test match player. And then you want to be a series winner. You know, you, were, you, were, you, were you surprised by the intensity? Because my knowledge of you isn't, isn't, isn't great. Uh, I do remember you, do you remember that session where you came in for a scrummaging session um, in South Africa for England and Bearfield was pretending he was injured 
and you came in and we ramped the scrummage machine right back and then Bayfield suddenly recovered. Um, <laughs> oh, there we are. And, and, and of course, the, the, the poisonous, uh, the, the poisonous humour um, that we had in the thing, everyone was saying, go away, Bayfield. We've got something to scrummage properly now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, you, the, the character you are and so on, um, was it something, I mean, did it, did it surprise you? You, you, uh, no, it doesn't because you know. I was uh, just before I came on on this. I was watching uh, Repair Shop and, and getting blubbery at that. So <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me at all. But I probably don't let I probably don't let those emotions out publicly very often. Yeah. So no, I mean people like I said, people look at me uh, and, and see a very laid back person. So perhaps don't appreciate the the highs and the lows that I go through because I'm kind of constantly on that sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, level, um, but yeah, when it means that much, it it, it comes out, doesn't it? Oh, well, the third test, um, comfortable winners. Um, you've made a winning appearance in a test match. What what are your feelings about that? Uh, obviously elated to, to have done that, um, but it's you know still it's after a, a, a losing series, so it doesn't mean as much as it would have done. Um, you know, if we've gone into that last game all square or even um, a chance to draw the series. But, you know, it's a weird one. I, you know, I loved winning in a Test match jersey. Um, that, that game slightly frustrated me, actually, because I I had as much energy in that game as I did in the, in the first Test match I played in. And, and I literally ran around like a nutter and saw the ball arriving at my hands multiple times and it never did. <laughs> so I was literally running yeah. alongside people who could outpace me, you know, any day of the week. And I was running alongside them thinking, give me the bloody ball. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm free and I'm, I'm in space. And never the ball never came to me. It was the opposite <laughs> of what happened the previous week. You know, I, I managed to get my hands on the ball quite quite often in that in that second test, but yeah, it just never came to me. And the, in the third. And, and that's probably what led to the fact, led to me sort of crumbling in a heap on top of Dupree um, and, and apparently knee dropping him. So, <laughs> I know how hard he's worked over the last year or so. He was desperate to make the Lions. Um, felt in 2017, he probably wasn't at his best. and has really been exceptional in the way he's prepared for this tour. And, you know, it was a shame that he picked up that injury, but it's great to have him back. And, you know, we'll have that discussion about is there a role for him, you know, as, either as a starter or a bench player or not involved next week. Alwyn Jones was on that tour in 2009. Similarly to yourself, still playing 12 years after, despite apparently dislocating his shoulder. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying he didn't dislocate his shoulder. Um from what I, I have known, you know that's you know quite quite serious. I mean, I'm 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 amazed that that, that he's back. But I, I I thought about this when someone first told me that, that this was a possibility, and I I just thought, well, why 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 would uh, anyone entertain it? Um, but then, you know, I I was one of those people that that came back from from injury very quickly, and I. And you talk about whether it's a dislocation or not a dislocation, and it, it might be not a dislocation. It might have been a sublux or mm-hmm. whatever of his shoulder. Now, I, I tore um, all the ligaments that, that hold my AC joint together 
in a game in the, in the Six Nations and three weeks later played in a, you know another game. Um, subsequently, did the same thing to the other side. <laughs> um, the point was, it, it, it is possible, you know, and 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 as I say, I went into that game fully fit on on the other shoulder. I might have been overcompensating the other one. That's what led to the, the following trip. But, but so it's it's possible um, whether or not he should come in and you know play a part straight away. I don't know because you know where's where's his form, and I, I'm always a believer that. That uh, the people that that feature in the test matches, you know, there's a percentage that should that should be allowed for, you know, previous form, as in, you know, historic form. But I, I'm I'm a great believer in that they should be the best in the best form, mm-hmm. you know, the best form players at the time, and, and have proven that on tour. This one's a slightly different one because there's not as many games. And so, how do you build up that understanding of whether people are on form or not as well? So, yeah, it's a really difficult one. But you know, from what I understand of him in in a from a leadership role and a and a captaincy role, and what he can bring to the dressing room, I think there's no doubt that he would add something there. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting. What have we made of the of the games so far? I'm a limited number, and I obviously played. You know, in atypical um, conditions, but what have you made of them? Um, yeah, I mean, almost fairly typical lines matches, as in, you know, a bit scrappy early on, ultimately very comfortable winners in most games against, you know, at the end of the day, lesser opposition. So you, there's an expectation, and you, all you're really looking for is the, as I say, the combinations, who's working well together. Um, and and form. You're looking for people who are really, really stepping up. You know, they've 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 shown their worth at international level, but then suddenly, you know, they've, they've turned into another beast altogether. Whether it whether it's against poor opposition or not, it's it still means something. Uh, I mean, you know what it takes to to tour in South Africa and to beat the Springboks. What do you think is going to be the key uh, in this in the series, Death series? Um, well. I mean, I've said a couple of times. I think it could go three-zero either way. I think the the first test match will will you know will basically define how the rest of the test match series goes. You know, I think if if the power game of the South Africans um, overcomes uh, the Lions, I, I find I find it really difficult to to believe that there's any coming back from that because I don't think they have. They've got a, a group of players who are all relatively similar you know they, they all fill a similar similar role it looks like a you know much more of a kind of speed game squad to me than a, than a power house squad um, and I think that's what they've looked to do is, is outrun the spring box move them around hope hope for them to tire in the last 20 minutes you know overcome them through fitness and and um, speed and and if that doesn't work in the first as much yeah. as I can see it working. Well, I mean, if, if there's any doubt, you know, the South Africa A side had probably eight test players in it. Maybe, you know, we, we don't know, but but certainly something close. And if there was any doubt uh, as to how and, and what they're going to face in the first test, they should be disabused of that. You know, the number of times they managed to stop. And this is what happened to England, you know, uh, in, the, in the World Cup final. It's one thing looking at things on a video and thinking that. 
but you always think, well, we're better, so that won't happen to us. Yeah. You know, when he's on the ground and Vermeule on his own and Detroit on his own or Yelendi on his own, bang, stopping, you know, tackles dead and yeah. on his own wrecking things, it, you know, it, you suddenly think, oh, this is not quite what I thought it was going to be. And hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully they, they, they've got a bit of a taste of that and they know trying to be Exeter and driving the ball against the line, not possibly going to work against South Africa. And therefore, they need to be a bit more creative and be a bit more inventive on how you do it, when you do it, and, and so on. I would think, actually, given the, the composition of the squads and the lack of game time for them, the, the best way is not to... You can't, you, you can't dodge the physical battle because you, you're not able to do that. But to keep it moving around and to be inventive about where you take the ball in, you know, when you go narrow, narrow and short, and to keep them guessing that way rather than just fronting in. One of the problems is, once you get into a physical battle, as a forward, it's, you, want, you want to carry on, don't you? you want to, it's not like, let's just have a go and we're, we're off there. You want to carry on and carry on. So 3-0 either way. But, <laughs> well, I mean, there's only, there's, I keep saying this because I was part of it. There's only one side, te- Lions side, that's ever lost a first test and won a series. And that was us in, in, in 89 and we got hammered in the first test. And I agree with you that it will, it will do that. Could you possibly, I mean, genuinely, do you think the Lions could win 3 0? Uh, no, I, I mean, no, I, I can't see the, the, the South Africans uh, rolling over that easily. So, <laughs> <laughs> probably not the case. No, look, I, I've seen bits and pieces of, of what the Lions are, are trying to do, looking to do, moving the, you know, doing lot, lots of tip passes, lots of trying to get in behind them and then move with speed after that. I I think with the South Africans, like you said, when you're in a physical battle, you need to commit to the physical battle first and foremost. Um and you know, and then then open up to these, you know, little little intricacies. Because I think if you get those wrong, you know, with a with a fast moving defensive line of sizable significant, <laughs> significant power, shall we say, yes. You you you, you, know, you you know spill the ball and they'll be all over it and you'll be you'll be uh, jogging back to under your posts. So, so you, you've got you have to commit the South Africans to 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 a physical battle at least early on. And, and you know ultimately, if you if you you know you can't come off second best if you, if you hope to to beat them. I mean, we you know I played them in a World Cup final and for large. Parts of that game, I mean, no one gave us a hope in hell in 2007 uh, of winning that final. But large parts of that game, we we, we took it to the South Africans, yep. and, and you know, we matched them, uh, if not better them, on, on on a few occasions. In and it was ultimately a tight game, and that's the only way you can you know confront the South. Africans. I've still yet to see a photograph that proves I think it was Cueto, Mark Mark Cueto, that his foot was actually touching the line. That it was is, certainly on it. I mean, yeah. adjacent to it. You're, you're scratching scabs now. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I've lost the World Cup final as well, so I know how it feels. Look, Simon, that's all we have time for. Thanks, you know, thanks, mate. A very different point of view, actually, possibly because of your personality and also the uh, latency with which you came came into the game. I, I meant that when I when I said it at the beginning. I, you know, I, I don't think you got anywhere near the recognition, you know, on the number of caps that you you, you should have done. I always thought you're an immense player and it's uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you thank you very kind very kind welcome thank you if you enjoyed this episode of brian's lines head over to full contact wherever you get your podcasts from and hit the subscribe or register button to catch up 
on our previous episodes with Sir Ian McGeekin on what it takes to coach the Lions, Alex Corbusiero on breaking into the test side, and former South African captain John Schmidt on what it's like to host the Lions. A reminder that all our regular episodes of Full Contact are available there too, including Monday's episode with Bob Skinsap. Bob, I'm really pleased to announce we'll be with us for the duration of the test series, so we'll have uh, hopefully an informed point of view from a British person and also from a former Springbok captain. For now, we've got to go. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Montz. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. Well, something, something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in... Opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) We're professional unprofessionals, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.